Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So reading Srimad Bhagavatam Canto 7, Chapter 7, Verse number 1. So Naranamuni said, Although Prahlad Maharaj was born in a family of Asuras, he was the greatest of all devotees. Having thus been questioned by his class friends, the sons of the Asuras, he re- remembered the words spoken to him by me and replied to his friends as follows. Okay, so in the purport, Srila Prabhupada writes that when he was in the womb of his mother, Prahlad Maharaj listened to the words of Narada Muni. One cannot imagine how the baby in the in embryo could hear Narada, but this is spiritual life. Progress in spiritual life cannot be obstructed by any material condition. This is called ohoituki apratihata. Perception of spiritual knowledge is never checked by any material condition. Thus, Balad Maharaj, from his very childhood, spoke spiritual knowledge to his class friends, and certainly it was effective, although all of them were children. So this is um, a very important point that we that we should all be aware of, that... Um, there's nothing that can block um, bhakti. Bhakti is um, is independent. It's the energy. Well, it's the energy of Shrimati Radharani ultimately. Um, so it can't be hampered, and it's independent of karma, independent of gyan, independent of yoga, independent of sankhya, independent of everything. Um, <clears throat> and so, what this um, should in a practical sense or, or in a um, yeah, in a practical sense what this should hopefully lead us to conclude is that we really can't make excuses <laughs> if we're not Krishna conscious because nothing material can ultimately stop a devotee from performing bhakti there are things that are favorable and we seek those things we seek the right association we we seek a peaceful environment where we live we seek things that are unequal or favorable but even if circumstantially even if circumstantially things are not favorable ultimately we have uh we have no excuse because um bhakti is there's nothing material that can that can block it and so one can do, um, uh, we were just hearing, Henry and I were talking to a devotee yesterday who was telling us that uh, that at least one time he heard a story of Mother uh, Jamuna Devi. She uh, cooked a feast for her deities in her mind and described all the ingredients in the, that made up the feast, etc. Um, so you can do that. And in the Nectar of Devotion, I'm going to read a passage from the Nectar of Devotion that, um, it's, it's, it's a few paragraphs, but it's so sweet that it's worth hearing. Um, in some of the Puranas, the evidence is given that if someone is simply meditating on devotional activities, he has achieved the desired result and has seen face to face the Supreme Personality of God. In this connection, there is a story in the Brahma Vaivarta Purana that in the city of Pratishtanapura in South India, 
there was once a Brahmana who was not very well to do, but who nevertheless satisfied, but who was nevertheless satisfied in himself, thinking that it was because of his past misdeeds and by the desire of Krishna that he did not get sufficient money or opulence. So he was not at all sorry for his poor material position, and he used to live very peacefully. He was very open-hearted, and sometimes he went to hear some lectures delivered by great realized souls. At one such meeting, while he was very faithfully hearing about Vaishnava activities, he was informed that these activities can be performed even by meditation. In other words, if a person is unable to actually perform Vaishnava activities physically, he can meditate upon the Vaishnava activities and thereby acquire all the same results, all the same results. Because the Brahmana was not very well to do financially, he decided he would simply meditate on grand royal devotional activities. And he began this business thus. Sometimes he would take his bath in the river Godavari. After taking his bath, he would sit in a secluded place on the bank of the river. And by practicing the yoga exercises of pranayama and the usual breathing exercises, he would concentrate his mind. These breathing exercises are meant to mechanically fix the mind upon a particular subject. That is the result of the breathing exercises and also the different sitting postures of yoga. Formerly, even or even quite ordinary persons used to know how to fix the mind upon the remembrance of the Lord. And so the Brahmana was doing this. When he, when he had fixed the form of the Lord in his mind, he began to imagine his meditation that in his meditation that he was dressing the Lord very nicely in costly clothing with ornaments, helmets, and other paraphernalia. Then he offered his respectful obeisances by bowing down before the Lord. After finishing the dressing, he began to imagine that he was cleaning the temple very nicely. After cleansing the temple, he imagined he had many water jugs made of gold and silver, and he took all those jugs to the river and filled them with holy water. Not only did he collect water from the Godavari, but he collected from the Ganges and Jamuna, Namada, and Kaveri. Generally, a Vaishnava, while worshipping the Lord, collects water from all these rivers by mantra chanting. This Brahmana, instead of chanting some mantra, imagined he was physically securing water from all these rivers in the golden and silver water pots. Then he collected all kinds of paraphernalia for worship, flowers, fruits, incense, and sandalwood pulp. He collected everything to place before the deity. All these waters, flowers, and scented articles, which uh, were then very nicely offered to the deities to their satisfaction. Then he offered arti with the and with the regulated principles, he finished all these activities in the correct worshipful, worshiping method. He would daily execute similar performances as his routine work. Then he continued to do so for many, many years. So he did this regularly, right? Then one day, the Brahmin imagined in his meditations that he prepared some sweet rice with milk and sugar and offered the preparation to the Lord, to the deity. However, he was not very satisfied with the offering because the sweet rice had been prepared recently and it was still very hot. Prabhupada mentions in parentheses that sweet rice is best uh, cool. I hope I'm not getting you hungry for sweet rice on the codice. So because the sweet rice had been prepared by the Brahmana very nicely, he wanted to touch it so that he could know whether it was fit for eating by the Lord. As soon as he touched the sweet rice pot with his finger, he immediately was burnt by the heat of the pot. In this way, his meditation broke. Now he looked at his finger 
he saw it was burnt. And he was actually wondering in astonishment, how could this happen? Because he was simply meditating on touching the hot sweet rice. He never thought that his finger would actually become burnt. While he was thinking this, in Vaikuntha, Lord Narayan, seated with the goddess of fortune, Lakshmi, began to smile humorously. On seeing the smile of the Lord, the, all the goddesses of fortune attending the Lord became very curious and asked Lord Narayan, why was he smiling? The Lord, however, did not reply to their inquisitiveness, but instead immediately sent for the Brahmana. An airplane sent from Vaikuntha immediately brought the Brahmana into Lord Narayan's presence. When the Brahmana was thus present before the Lord and the goddesses of fortune, the Lord explained the whole story. The Brahmana was then fortunate enough to get an eternal place in Vaikuntha in the association of the Lord and his Lakshmis. This shows how the Lord is all-pervading, in spite of his being locally situated in his boat. Although the Lord was present in Vaikuntha, he was present also in the heart of the Brahmana when he was meditating on the worshipping process. Thus, we can understand that things offered by the, de- by the devotee, even in meditation, are accepted by the Lord. And they help one achieve the desired results. So, nice story to illustrate this point, right? Nothing can stop you from doing devotional service. And this Brahman, he did this for many years, right? He, he did this gorgeous worship for, for a long time. So that's ahaituki uh, apratiyata, unmotivated, uninterrupted. So any questions, thoughts, comments on this point? I do. Yes, Andy. Well, I'd like to make a slight correction, in my opinion, to what you said. Okay. You said nothing can stop you. You can stop you. (laughs) Isn't it true? Oh, my God, is it true? Yeah, because uh, yesterday it just happened, I decided to look up the word transcendent. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if there's any difference between that and transcendental. There isn't. Okay. That's, that's what it is. But if you look it up, they have a... Let me see if I can find it again. It should be here. Yeah. They mentioned that um, they have four categories of definitions, right, for transcendent. Number three is philosophy. And it says, 3B says, in Kant's theory of knowledge... Being beyond the limits of experience and hence unknowable. So there's Immanuel Kant. He says it's unknowable. You cannot know it. Right. But then we actually, I say we kind of, the way it struck me, we came in at number four. There's a number four item. <laughs> Being above and independent of the material universe used of the deity. So we're in the free dictionary.com. Very good. <laughs> How about that? That's fantastic. And you could also argue on, on a certain level, being a little tricky, that even the Mr. Immanuel Kant's definition we could accept uh, if you just add a half a sentence. What does he, what does he say? He's saying uh, transcendence is beyond the limits of experience and hence unknowable. Right. And we agree with that. With the caveat that... Uh, Atashi Krishna Namadi Nabavek Krayam Indriyai Sevan Mukehi Jivadho Swayam Eva Sprachada. The first two lines of that verse um, 
totally agree with Mr. Kant that Atashi Krishnanama Dinababek Raya You cannot understand the name, form, qualities, and pastimes of Krishna with your um, um, materially contaminated senses. Mm-hmm. But then the second half, Sevan Mukehi Jivado, by doing service to Krishna, beginning with the tongue, chanting and tasting prasadam, then one can understand. So Kant, Kant got it half right. And of course, um, Monty Python wrote a song that included him. That's another thing. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, other, thank you for bringing that up. Other points about this ahaituki apratiyata. That nothing can stop us, um, materially, except our mind, as, uh, Andy very nicely put it. I was, when we were discussing this, I was thinking it doesn't, take much effort or it doesn't cost anything even to just desire or just think that I am going to do this, I am going to offer this for the Supreme Lord, but even it becomes so easy to even forget that and not do the simple thing like that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's right. What did Prabhupada say? Simple for the simple and difficult for the crooked. Yeah. So, the, and how, how, how easily Krishna is accessible to us, even just within our mind, we can offer and he's ready to accept it. And here I am, I'm not even exploring that option or taking it up with so more eagerness and enthusiasm. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Very well said. Um, anything else? So there's another point that I just want to briefly make and that, you know, practical point that um, if you ever are going to have another child or uh, have a first child, or if you know someone who is, this is a good practice. Um, I think verses and purports, I think while my wife was pregnant, she got up to the ninth canto. She read, uh, she didn't have a, 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 another engagement at that time. We were living in Vrindavan. Or maybe she was still teaching for some time in the group. But she was reading every morning and every evening to uh, to Gopinath in, in the womb. And, uh, you know, he didn't come out and start preaching to his classmates at five years old. <laughs> but, uh, but certainly she got purified. And, you know, and uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the child in the womb can hear these things according to this verse. So, yeah. It's a, oh, can I say one more thing? Yeah, sure. And, Gopinath did not come out and start preaching to his classmates, but neither is uh, Ananda Narada Muni. Right? <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. Okay. So, <laughs> just that. Yeah. She would be the first to uh, admit that. Yes. Right. So. Hare Krishna. Yes, Um Yeah. So, um, as you were telling the story, it's, it occurred to me that um, there's a natural connection that can be made by, I'm not a devotee, but any devotee uh, about the connection between meditation and prayer. I mean, when we pray, you know, Krishna is there to hear it, or we understand that, that especially if we're making parampara prayers, uh, they're heard, and and... So 
Krishna has the power to hear our prayers. Krishna has the power to, um, uh, he's supplying the, the, the mind. He's supplying the, the thought, supplying yeah. the meditation. So what you're saying is very much connected to what uh, uh, Raghunandan Prabhu was saying a few minutes ago, that uh, the Krishna is so accessible yeah. to us. And, uh, you know, but we still are a little like, you know, uh, Krishna Bhuli Sejiv, Anadya Bhavyamut. And we, uh, we turn our back on Krishna. Well, we're warned. I mean, there's a, there's something to be said for you know, that we, that we're not to speculate about our relationship with Krishna. Um, the Brahmana was certainly not thinking, you know, he was, he was meditating on serving Krishna, but he was also not thinking, oh, Krishna's, you know, hearing this, I, or seeing this, I better get it perfect, or I don't know, maybe he was. He was just absorbed in bhakti, yeah, just absorbed yeah. in his offering, yeah. So okay. we have to be careful about how we use use the mind in Krishna's service. We have to be careful about how we use the mind in Maya's service also. Now you're talking my my Alan. Okay. Uh anything else on on either reading to the child in the womb or in a Haitukiya Pratita. All right. So let us move on to the next uh verses. We're going up to um verse eleven. Right? Okay. So, verse number two. Kavad Maharaj said, when our father Hiranyakashipu went to uh, Mandarachala uh, mountain to execute severe austerities, in his absence, the demigods headed by King Indra made a severe attempt to subdue all the demons in warfare. Alas, as a serpent is eaten by small ants, so the troublesome Hiranyakashipu, who always inflicted miseries upon all types of people, has now been defeated by the reactions of his own sinful activities. Saying this, the demigods headed by Indra arranged to fight the demons. When the great leaders of the demons who were being killed one after another saw the unprecedented exertion of the demigods in fighting, they began to flee, scattering themselves in all directions. Simply to protect their lives, they hastily fled from their homes, wives, children, animals, and household paraphernalia. Paying no heed to all these, the demons simply fled. The victorious demigods plundered the palace of Hiranyakashipu, the king of the demons and destroyed everything within it. Then Indra, king of heaven, arrested my mother, the queen. So they were a little premature in uh, claiming victory over Kashipu. You can understand why he was angry when he came out of uh, his austerities. As she was being led away, crying in fear like a kuraki, kurari, captured by a vulture, the great sage Narada, who at the time had no engagement, appeared on the scene and saw her in that condition. So Prabhupada um, 
translates Yadrich Chaya by chance as uh, had no uh, engagement at that time. Narada Muni said, O oh, Indra, king of the demigods, this woman is certainly sinless. You should not drag her off in this merciless way. O oh, greatly fortunate one, this chaste woman is the wife of another. You must immediately release her. But Indra said, the womb, in the womb of this woman, the wife of the demon Hiranyakashipu, is the seed of that great demon. Therefore, let her remain in our custody until her child is delivered. And then we shall release her. So indicating that he was going to kill the child. Narada Muni replied, the child within this woman's womb is faultless and sinless. Indeed, he is a great devotee, a powerful servant of the Supreme Personality of God. Therefore, you will not be able to kill him. When the great Saint Narada Muni had thus spoken, King Indra, being respectful to Narada's words, immediately released my mother. Because of my being a devotee of the Lord, all the demigods circumambulated her. Then they returned to their celestial kingdom. Purport. Although King Indra and the other demigods are exalted personalities, they were so obedient to Narada Muni. They were so obedient to Narada Muni that King Indra immediately accepted Narada Muni's words concerning Pulad Maharaj. This is called understanding by the Parampara system. Indra and the demigods did not know that a great devotee was in the womb of uh, Kayadhu. Kayadhu? Did I pronounce that right? Kayadhu. The wife of Hiranyakashipu. But they accepted the authoritative statements of Narada Muni and immediately offered their respects to the devotee by circumambulating the woman in whose womb he was living. To understand God and the devotee by the Parampara system, is the process of knowledge. There is no need to speculate about God and his devotee. One should accept the statements of the bona fide devotee and thus try to understand. So, um, when, when the saintly person is speaking on subject, on spiritual subject matters, this is the perfect way to accept the words of a saint. Mm-hmm. And so Indra, even though we know Indra gets himself in trouble all the time in this and that, he, he just immediately understood that Narada Muni could see things that he, Indra, could not see and could understand things about both uh, Prahlad Maharaj and his mother that Indra was blind to. Um, so, so much of knowledge is descending. It's coming from above. Um, and certainly spiritual knowledge is like that. And Indra understood that, this kind of descending knowledge. Because, mm-hmm. you know, how would Indra know if he, you know, if he, if he doesn't have the adhikar, the eligibility, how would he know otherwise that, as a matter of fact, he got it wrong twice. He thought, he thought that Ikharanikashiva's uh, wife was sinful and he thought Pallad Maharaj had the seed of his incredibly sinful father and must also be a demon like, like him. So, this is the approach that we are suggested to take. Now, how, the question might be, well, how do you deal with doubts that may arise? And there's a nice um, 
short presentation about this in the third canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam in the purport, Prabhupada says, doubt is one of the important functions of intelligence. Blind acceptance of something does not give evidence of intelligence. Therefore, the word samshaya is very important. In order to cultivate intelligence, one should be doubtful in the beginning. But doubting is not very favorable when information is received from the proper source. In Bhagavad Gita, the Lord says that doubting the words of the authority is the cause of destruction. So Prabhupada's talking in kind of very subtle ways here that on one hand, doubt is a sign of intelligence. We don't blindly accept, but when we have found a true source of knowledge, and that same doubt, which might have been accepted, might have been okay in one hand, is an impediment. Again, another hand. So we're not um, uh, emphasizing blind acceptance. In the Bhagavad Gita, probably it says, what is it? Blind acceptance and irrelevant inquiries are rejected here. I think it's in the... Uh, uh, verse 34 of the fourth chapter of the Gita in the purport. Um, so even Srila Prabhupada didn't blindly accept. He, he, um, he questioned his spiritual master when he first met him. And he said, how can Lord Chaitanya's message be understood while we're still dependent on the British? Uh, and, and then of course Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur explained things in a way that Prabhupada said, you know, okay, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, kind of like I surrender. He said, well, he told his friend, I have met a very saintly person. But even then, Prabhupada didn't immediately surrender, although he did say that he accepted everyone, um, that he immediately accepted him as a spiritual master. But he didn't take initiation, I think, for 11 years after that. Hmm. Yes, and there's a little... Yes, Jay, uh, we understand that things are not quite on the same level in the UK as in the US regarding COVID. Yeah. But uh, hopefully um, things will progress there. And things are going in a good direction, from what I understand. Um, so some... So, yeah, you know, it, it, it's tricky, right? Because there are so many... Uh, cheaters on one hand or people who aren't cheaters but just don't have full knowledge on the other hand. Many with imperfect knowledge. And so it, it, Iskhan or Srila Prabhupada is challenging us that take knowledge from the Srimad Bhagavatam. Take knowledge from the Bhagavad Gita. Accept it. Um, and you can be philosophical but the the, the general mood of a devotee towards Shastra is how is this true rather than is it true? <laughs> you see, there's a, there's a difference there. And again, people might say, oh my God, that sounds terrible. That does sound like blind acceptance. Um, no, take your time. Take as long as you want to come to that kind of conclusion. Although also Prabhupada writes in the preface to the Bhagavad Gita, a very nice sentence where he said, it's only 700 verses. I'm paraphrasing that. It's only 700 verses. Why not theoretically read it that this is written, this is spoken by God and read it in that mood? At least theoretically accept that while you're going through that reading. So some questions here about um, the Parampara system. 
and the import and the way that um, Indra just accept he had trust. That's another word. That's another important word. He had trust that Narada Muni was the real deal and could see beyond the material coverings, had spiritual insights, and therefore he he accepted his words. Questions or comments on this? Hare Krishna Prabhu. Uh, it's very instructive that Indra and the demigods, basically they are dealing with their enemy number one, Hiranyakashipu, who is very powerful personality. Right. And they don't want any of his uh, lineage to continue to safeguard their position. And they are willing to go to the extent of even killing the child after the child is born. But when Narada Muni intervenes and gives the correct knowledge about the situation, they were very accepting of that. They are very obedient to that thing. So I, I, I was just juxtaposing that to our situation and currently, like I do not know much. I have my own consumptions about certain things. But when I come into contact with devotees or gurus and when they are sharing their uh, realizations and wisdom, I should be at least open-minded to carefully consider what they are saying and what it means. Then I can at least shift my conceptions rather than being stuck or holding on to my conceptions. My conceptions could be correct sometimes and it could be wrong other times too. But the thing that I should do is I should allow the my intelligence to be guided by this wisdom and knowledge. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, and what are the alternatives? If, right. If I don't do that, what is the, what are the alternatives is another interesting question. And I accept my, my senses as uh, a better, a better source of knowledge. Yeah. Right. Or I accept, uh, you know, what I read on websites and in the newspapers or, you know, in, um, well, it used to be Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> There's still, that used to be how you would get business uh, information before uh, the internet. Um, so, so it is a, it is a very interesting question of where do we, what do we accept as authority? Because you can't, uh, you know, even a simple thing like you don't know who your father is unless your mother tells you. Um, Prabhupada would say that, right? Or, you know, we hear about, I don't know, Shanghai, but if you've never been there, you accept the authority of uh, people who have been there and, and the, the authenticity of the videos that are shown about it and the descriptions like that. So it's a, it is a, um, it is a very interesting question of what do we accept as knowledge and information. Yeah. No. And, you know, that's why the, the quote that, uh, Andy brought up from Immanuel Kant, you know, that you can't, he said, he basically says, at least what I understood from that quote is like, forget it. You can't understand it. And that is a good, um, what's the word? Part of the process, actually, to come to that understanding. It's not the end, but it's a good, uh, it's a good midway point in one sense. 
you know, because he's accepting Atashi Krishna Namadi Namavet Brahmindra, that you can't, these blunt, Prabhupada uses the word blunt, these blunt material senses can't understand transcendence. And talking about like even recognizing the authority, it reminded me of Dhruva Maharaj. Uh, when Narada Muni stops him and challenges him when he is about to meet Lord Narayan in the forest, uh, Dhruva Maharaj clearly says, like even though Narada Muni is giving some wise advice, I, I, I understand that, but I am not in a position to accept your uh, advice. If you can help me uh, see face-to-face Lord Narayan, please instruct me. So he, uh, two different ways to approach the authorities, like the blind acceptance also we were talking about. Dhruva Maharaj was not doing that. Oh, you are Narada Muni, oh, whatever you say, I will accept it, even though I do not agree with it. But he was not doing that. So he was like staying fixed in his position. I want to see Lord Narayan. If ah. you can help me, yeah. I will accept it. But if you not, please step aside. I, I, I will go ahead with my uh, <laughs> task. But on the other hand, here in this case, Indra and the demigods, they did not say or do something like that. They say, like, okay, we accept your uh, uh, statement that the child is a pure devotee of the Supreme Lord and we will entrust uh, the wife of Hiranyakashipu and the child in your care and we will not worry about that anymore. And I like what you said in the beginning of maybe five minutes ago when you said um, you, 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 you brought the context into very clear, very clearly that now, this was the demigod's greatest enemy. So it was a big thing for them to uh, accept that the child of this greatest enemy is anything other than uh, our, our enemy also. Yeah. You know, very good. Okay, so shall we carry on? Um, we're just going up to 14. 12. The Lord Maharaj continued. The great saint Nardamuni brought my mother to his ashram and assured her of all protection, saying, My dear child, please remain at my ashram until the arrival of your husband. After accepting the instructions of Devashinharda, my mother stayed in his care without fear from any direction, as long as my father, the king of the Daityas, had not become free from his severe austerities. My mother, being pregnant, desired the safety of her embryo and desired to give birth after her husband's arrival. Thus she stayed at Narada Muni's ashram, where she rendered service unto Narada Muni with great devotion. Okay. Um, Prabhupada writes in the purport that, you know, he's saying, hey, this is kind of strange. She's a young lady and she's staying in the uh, same ashram as this sannyasi, as this renunciate Narada Muni. So Prabhupada writes, one should, uh, he quotes this uh, famous famous verse, I think it's on the ninth canto. Yeah, ninth canto. Matra svastra dihitrova nevivekta senobhavet balavam indriagramo bivam sam apikarsati. One should not remain in a suitable place with a woman, even one's mother, sister, or daughter. Nonetheless, although one is strictly prohibited from staying with a woman in a secluded place, Narada Muni gave shelter to Blood Maharaja's young mother, who rendered service to him with great devotion and faith. 
Does this mean that Narada Muni transgressed the Vedic injunctions? Certainly he did not. Such injunctions are intended for mundane creatures, but Narada Muni is transcendental to mundane categories. And a little later, Prabhupada writes, ordinary persons must strictly observe the rules and regulations by staying aloof from the association of women. No one should uh, imitate Narada Muni or Haridas Thakur. So, um, we should be, um, we should be serious about this, uh, injunction, um, without offending anyone at the same time, right? I can't talk to you, you know, get out of here. (laughs) You can't do that. But, um, one doesn't have to worry about one's reputation if one is just very careful about things such as this. So I think I told you that um, in Vrindavan, my uh, Burijan Prabhu lived upstairs for many years, a separate entrance um, in my house. And so anytime a, uh, a woman devotee wanted to go see him, he would always call me downstairs and say, you know, Brother uh, Bihari, please uh accompany her upstairs because he would never meet with uh, her alone. Not that, you know, um, you know, he's 70 years old and this and that, but it just makes it very clear, right? No question about your reputation, no question about anything uh, improper taking place or improper discussion. None of that. Um, It's in child protection. It's called the rule of threes that a teacher doesn't want to be alone with a student um, just because, uh, any anyone could even you know claim something that never actually happened, right? So it just keeps everyone's mind peaceful, and it makes society uh, peaceful uh, without unnecessarily disturbing others. <clears throat> now, for great personalities, we also have to be careful. There's a saying in Bengali: "Yadapi nityananda surabhadiya ayaya." Uh, even if I see Lord Nityananda has entered a liquor shop, I shall not be diverted from my conclusion that Nityananda Rai is the supreme personality of God. So it's okay to, if you have some doubt about a person's character, to even humbly go up to them and ask them about it um, and, and clear clear that you know, uh, thing that may be disturbing our minds. But if we, if we just make assumptions about someone, um, that could also, if we get it wrong, that could also be an offense against that devotee. So, so there's caution from both sides, right? The person who might be associating with a woman other than his wife, uh, will take special precautions to, um, to what does it see, you know, to be above any suspicion. And uh, the, a, a woman in this case, or a man in another case, you know, who may be the person seeking that association will also be very uh, careful. And uh, and I saw this in Vrindavan, most ladies who wanted to see Burijampu, they'd, oh, they'd bring a friend along with them as well. So, so again, similar point. And then us who may be observing something, that doesn't seem totally appropriate. We, um, we may 
inquire to the person, you know, well, you know, I saw this, it seemed, it was disturbing my mind. Um, and at the same time, we're a little careful, um, we're careful, not a little, we're careful not to commit offenses by making, drawing a conclusion prematurely and making assumptions. But this is a, a, um, a nice way to, um, keep peaceful society. Now, our previous vice president, Mike Pence, was criticized for, for this, um, because I think he wouldn't even, um, like go to dinner with someone other than his wife. Now, one could say, well, maybe devotees might do that because it's in a public place. But, uh, and even Billy Graham, the famous, uh, Christian evangelic evangelist, he, um, I think it was called the Pomona Agreement or someplace in California where him and some other, um, ministers got together and decided the same thing, this idea of a rule of threes or something like that to be so that they were all above suspicion in their personal endeavors. So it's something to be, um, you know, to be uh, aware of. I think I told you once I was flying into Gainesville at the airport and I was being picked up by a, a, a wonderful Vaishnavi, uh, a great saintly person. Um, and so she picked me up uh, and I didn't know, should I get in the front seat or should I get in the back seat? <laughs> you know, the front seat would be more kind of socially like, you know, she would, you know, get in the back seat. So why get in the back seat? You know, I'm not your chauffeur, you know. <laughs> In India, right, you would, you would get in the backseat almost automatically, right, uh, with a taxi or, well, even in America with a taxi, but even with a, with a driver, you know, you, that's, that's the standard culture. So it was a little, it was a little, um, tricky for me to decide what to do, you know, and I also was kind of concerned, well, if I get in the backseat, will she think that, you know, you know, what would she think about me, you know, is she, you know, Anyway, it was a, it was a difficult situation, but you get the point that you get the, the general, um, uh, view, um, <laughs> that, uh, what is it? Caesar's wife should be above suspicion, I think, or something like that. There's probably what would quote that. So we just want to be a little careful. So, um, and careful about offenses, like, like this example of Lord Nityananda or Narada Muni also with great, great souls. So questions or comments on this? Okay. Um, yeah, like Prabhupada says that a brahmachari should address all women as mother. Right. A similar uh, kind of thing. That, uh, and I know for my wife, when, when she was running the Gurukula in Vrindavan, one of her, it was an all boys school, right? And one of the things that she tried to drill into the, um, students, especially the teenagers, is to always be respectful to women. Not to see them as objects for, of sense gratification, but rather objects of respect, uh, offered respect. And I, I know she really, someone like, Mataji, you tell us that every day. <laughs> okay, and nothing else on that? All right, then we're going up to 17, just a few more verses. Narada Muni delivered his instructions both to me, who was within the womb, and to my mother, who was engaged in rendering him service. Because he is naturally extremely kind to fallen souls, 
being in a transcendental position. He gave instructions on religion and transcendental knowledge. Because of the long duration of time that has passed, and because of her being a woman and therefore less intelligent, my mother has forgotten all those instructions. But the great sage Narada blessed me, and therefore I could not forget them. The Lad Maharaj continued, My dear friends, if you can place your faith in my words, simply by that faith, you can also understand transcendental knowledge just like me. Although you are small children, similarly, a woman can also understand transcendental knowledge and know what is spirit and what is matter. So Prabhupada in the purport is again talking about this idea of faith and how uh, he says this, these are Vedic instructions. And the, the instructions were about uh, verses that he quoted previously, that bhakti is the way to know Krishna. One must have full faith in the words of the spiritual master and similar faith in the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He's quoting, he's paraphrasing the verse that is quoted, Yasya Deve, Parabhaktir, Yata Deve, Tata Guru, Chasyaite, Katita Yarta, Paka Sante Mahatmana. This is from the Svetasvatara Upanishad. Unto those great souls who have implicit faith in both Lord and the spiritual master. All the imports of Vedic knowledge are automatically revealed. Hmm. So again, like in the previous verse, we talked about parampara is is so important, um, and having what uh, faith in the the guru, the one who's instructing us in Krishna consciousness, is very important. And Prabhupada just seen his level of faith that he had such unbreakable faith. For example, in the prophecy of Lord Chaitanya. Mm-hmm. Or similarly, the words of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, his prophecy, or Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati's uh, request that you go to the West and you teach Krishna consciousness there. That will do good to you and to all those that you meet. So um, at the age of 70, he he starts his journey. It's incredible. <laughs> It's it's unheard of. But because he had that strong conviction, that strong faith in the words of Shastra, in the words of uh, his Guru Maharaj, he underwent that austerity. Now there's some caveats. The spiritual master must be in the line of author- authorized to sibling succession. It's a little further in the purport. Like Prahlad Maharaj, who received the knowledge from Narada. If the classmates of Pallad Maharaj, the sons of demons, were to accept the truth through Pallad, they would certainly become fully aware of transcendental knowledge. And then at the end of the purport, the last sentence, if one understands the Supreme Lord through devotional service with faith in the disciplic succession, and then advances further, he awakens his natural love of God, and then his success in life is assured. So this is the essence of the parampara message is uh, awakening, reawakening our natural love for Krishna, our natural love for God. And the spiritual masters pass that on from disciple to next, they, the disciple becomes a spiritual master. They pass it on to their disciple. That disciple becomes a spiritual master, passes it on to their disciple. And in this way, the 
parampara system goes on. I, I think I've told you already that I, I had a real visual uh, understanding of this when I went to the um, Vatican and went to the, uh, in the basement where they have the, the tombs of the various popes. And you can you see that they're lined up and you see the one after another, the idea of parampara. That is kind of what a pope is. You know, it's a little bit in a similar vein. So um, parampara literally means, if I understand correctly, one after another. <laughs> yeah. And then Prabhupada in the purport talks about there's different uh, lineages. And they have some differences. You know, uh, I know at least, I think Raghunandan and Shakshi are both from South India. So, you know, there's some differences between the Sri Sampradaya, for example, and the uh, Gaudiya Sampradaya. Not, not, not in essence, not in essence, but for example, the emphasis on the Srimad Bhagavatam is much greater in, in the uh, Gaudiya Sampradaya. But still, we, we basically they accept Vishnu, they accept devotional service. There's some, you know, some small differences. And the funny thing is that in Kali Yuga, they, or the ten, or the mode of passion, tends to get us to focus, just as a general statement now, not about the Sri Sampradaya, we sometimes focus more on the differences and the similarities. <laughs> that's a Kali Yuga special. Right. So some thoughts on Parampara, or accepting the, or what, I, I was trying to think when I saw that, what does it mean? What does it actually mean to have full faith in the words of the spiritual master? Andy, you're going to say something? Yeah, I had something to say about that. Because in that last paragraph, like the third sentence, where it says, unless one is extremely expert, he cannot understand the expert management of the supreme expert. Yeah, that's quite a sentence, isn't it? it but I would correct that. I would correct that. Okay, let's see what you have to say. Um, it talk about using like the your mind as a blunt instrument. Remember that idea of blunt? Yeah. Okay. I think understand is a blunt word here, right? Uh, you could, it would be better to say, uh, in my opinion, appreciate. Appreciate. So is extremely expert. He cannot appreciate. I think that I, I, I understand the expert management. Well, um, no, in this case, it's true, understand, but I'm saying the average person. Well, the average person, yeah. Well, like Emmanuel Kant. He not only can't understand it, he can't appreciate it. <laughs> right. Very well that, done. That's, I, I think that's very important because, like, right. I, believe, I believe Einstein's theory of relativity. Now, if you sit me down with a, a physicist, he said, okay, show me some tensor equations and everything. So, well, I don't really understand it, but I, I appreciate it. Hmm. I know I really sense that it's true. Nice. I can't understand it. But appreciate it. So that's the dividing line that people have to cross to get into this, to get into the realm of being able to believe or trust. Right. First, appreciate that there is something that is not material, that's not matter or energy as they understand it, that is actually worth thinking yeah. about. Well said. You know, your first yeah. sentence like, oh, I don't, I don't really agree with this. Everyone's like, what? You don't agree with Prabhupada? And that way you explain what you're saying. Yes, yeah, that, that makes sense. Appreciation is, I can't remember where Prabhupada says it, but he almost says it's almost like the first step in God realization. And appreciate, then, and then if you take appreciation some step further, 
uh, I say it can, it may develop into gratitude, right? That, then you start, that, that gratitude starts, um, bringing in the bhakti aspects of it, right? Um, you can appreciate something without being, uh, expressing gratitude, but you can also appreciate something being so grateful for that. Yeah. Well said. Other thoughts? Also, like when we were talking about faith of the parampara and how Prabhupada had faith in the, the predecessor Acharyas, even his faith in the scriptures was like unshakable. Yeah. He had complete faith in the statements of the scriptures. And not only that, he was able to explain them according to the time, place and circumstance very well in a way that is relatable to that audience that's that's where he was very successful he not only had that faith he could convey that faith to yeah. his young western disciples well said yes very nice yeah very good other thoughts okay so then we're going up to 22 so verse 18 just as the fruits and flowers of a tree in due course of time. So now uh, he's starting to get into gam, uh, into knowledge. He's starting to preach, you know, um, specifically kind of chapter two, Bhagavad Gita, right? Just as the fruits and flowers of a tree in due course of time undergoes six changes, birth, existence, growth, transformation, dwindling, and then death. The material body, which is obtained by the spirit's soul, under different circumstances, undergoes similar changes. However, there are no such changes for the spirit soul. 19 and 20. Atma refers to the Supreme Lord or the living entities. Both of them are spiritual, free from birth and death, free from deterioration, and free from material contamination. They are individual. They are the knowers of the external body. And they are the foundation or shelter of everything. They are free from material change. They are self-illuminated. And they are the cause of all causes. And they are all-pervading. They have nothing to do with the material body. And therefore, they are always uncovered. With these transcendental qualities, one who is actually learned must give up the illusory conception of life in which one thinks, I am this material body and everything in relationship with this body is mine. And 21, an expert geologist can understand where there is gold and by various processes can extract it from the gold ore. Similarly, a spiritually advanced person can understand how this spiritual particle exists within the body and thus by cultivating spiritual knowledge, he can attain perfection in spiritual life. However, as one who is not expert cannot understand where there is gold, a foolish person who has not cultivated spiritual knowledge cannot understand how the spirit exists within the body. So doesn't this sound very second chapter of Bhagavad Gita-ish? And even Prabhupada quotes verses from the second chapter. Now, the Lord's eight separated material energies, verse 22. Okay, so that's earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and false ego. The three modes of material nature, um, uh, goodness, passion, ignorance. 
the 16 transformations, the 11 senses and the five gross material elements like we just read, earth and water. Within all these, the one spirit soul exists as the observer. Therefore, all the great acharyas have concluded that the individual soul is conditioned by these material elements. Now, Prabhupada says some really nice things here. He said, talks about the earth, how Bhumi uh, includes all the objects of sense perception, form, taste, smell, sound, and touch. He says, within the earth are the fragrances of roses, the taste of sweet fruit, and whatever else we want. As stated in Srimad Bhagavatam 1.10.4, Sarva Kama Dukha Mahi. The earth, Mahi, contains all other requirements. Or in other words, it fulfills Sarva Kama, can be say, it fulfills all desires, all, all um, yeah, desires or necessities. So this is, um, this is something, to, you know, the earth, uh, our relationship with Mother Earth is a significant one. When you think about it, we've talked about this before, that pretty much anything we can see, you know, the, these glasses that I'm wearing, this iPhone, um, you know, this, uh, the glass, and, and I guess you could even say the water from the, in the glass, they're all coming from the plastic in the, in these, uh, vitamin, you know, in the vitamins themselves, the different ingredients. You see, there's a whole list of ingredients in this multivitamin. Um, it's all coming from the earth, right? All the food, all the food that we eat. And, and, and then the fragrance, it's very interesting, right? Cause earth, you smell it. It doesn't have much of a smell, right? It smells like earth, but you plant a rose seed. The seed has no smell either. You, but you plant a rose seed, and then this beautiful rose smell comes out. You plant a, um, um, a marigold seed, you know. So that's why it says that all the different uh, smells come from the earth. So the earth is this amazing, amazing thing, and we're so indebted to Mother Earth. And therefore, a devotee, although the devotee's primary focus is 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 serving Krishna. Chanting Krishna's name, um, and but as practical as possible, the devotee tries not to harm Mother Earth. Um, it may, we may not be, you know, for example, in in order to do devotional service, we may get in our car and drive to the temple, and that's so that's practical. Even though we know, you know, uh, fossil fuel is not the greatest uh, thing in the world. Um, and Prabhupada even writes that in a very strong, very interesting way. He um, he says, the floating of the planets, this is from the second canto, in the weightless air is due to the inner constitution of the globes. And he wrote this in the 70s, right? And the modernized drilling of the earth to exploit oil from within is a sort of disturbance by the modern demons and can result in a greatly harmful reaction to the floating condition in the, of the earth. A similar disturbance was created formerly by the demon headed, demons headed by Hiranyaksha, the great exploiter of the gold rush. And the earth was detached from its weightless condition and fell down to the Karbodak ocean. And in the 11th canto, uh, the disciples of Srila Prabhupada write, the earth is a symbol of tolerance. By deep oil drilling, atomic explosions, 
pollution, and so on, the earth is constantly harassed by the demoniac living entities. Sometimes lush forests are cut down by greedy men with commercial interests, and thus a wasteland is created. Sometimes the earth's surface is soaked by the blood of soldiers fighting in savage warfare. Yet despite all these disturbances, the earth continues to provide all the necessities of the living beings. In this way, one may learn the art of tolerance by studying the earth. So we want to uh, tread gently on Mother Earth, as it were, either figuratively or otherwise. Uh, appreciate that she's holding us up every day as we walk the we walk the earth. She can withhold things, as we see in um, I think it was Prithu Maharaj's pastime, right? Um, so we want to be very respectful to Mother Earth. Uh, you know, is Krishna's creation in order to provide us with our necessities. So what are your thoughts, comments, questions about Mother Earth? In, in fact, Earth is described as one of the seven mothers hmm. in the Vedic scriptures. And it also reminds me of uh, almost at the end of the first canto, when the cow represents mother earth and the bull are having a conversation and also in in the pastime of Prithu Maharaj where mother earth says people are not performing any yagyas but they are just taking things out from me yeah, yeah. yes uh, uh, yes uh, so again uh when the reference is given of Mother Earth and Earth has all other, like the previous example you were sharing, Prabhu, like all other uh, aspects are visible of all other elements. So in the creation, which occurs in second canto, third canto, continues multiple times in Srimad Bhagavatam, it's given that when Mahatatva is, you know, agitated by time factor and the three modes of material nature, they come into being and then, you know, First sky is created. So again, so in that particular first instance itself, Lord as Super Soul enters into all the you know progressive elements. Yes. So from sky comes air, and air has sky in it. So then a part of sky is also in it, in air, and from air comes fire, and part of air is in fire, and from fire comes water and part of fire is in water. And similarly, when earth comes, part of earth is also in it. So again, all the previous elements are also present in earth, which makes earth, you know, to be able to have a shape, which is a characteristic of fire, to be able to have aroma, which is the character of earth, to be able to, you know, transfer sound vibration. We can feel the vibration in earth as well and all of the factors, right? Uh, and so from that perspective, we see as... Uh, Earth, you know, contains everything and super soul is present everywhere. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, all those 25 elements are present within the final element Earth, which is the grossest, the gross, most gross of all the elements. I just wanted to share. Hare Krishna. Thank you. And Nandi Mukhi uh, Mataji has, uh, has taken a quote, which we are paraphrasing, Prabhu. She's uh, from the third canto, chapter 26, verse 49. Since the cause exists in its effect as well, the characteristics of the former are observed in the latter. 
That is why the peculiarities of all the elements exist in the earth alone. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Day, uh, Lord Kapil explaining to Devahuti the creative, you know, this is like the third canto version that I was referring to. Yeah. So, Very nice. Thank you. Other thoughts about Mother Earth and our indebtedness to her? So we can, we can appreciate Mother Earth as the same. We can also feel gratitude towards it, right? <laughs> and Akishna. Yes, uh, Sakshi Gopapu. It's in the Chitraketu story that like uh, Mother, Earth, Mother Earth does not produce enough grains and things. And then like she relates to Dharma. There was Dharmic principle was not properly done. And that's why she couldn't produce. You know, uh, it is so directly related that like um, how dependent um, that, you know, whatever that we do, it reflects on today, Mother Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing that we get what we have. Although there is a lot of hunger in the world, um, there is a lot of, for example, oil extraction is going on like, uh, you know, crazy, right? I don't, I'm, I'm just, if I type in amount of oil drilled daily, um, it's 12 million barrels per day just in the U.S. <laughs> That's incredible, right? It's incredible. Yeah. So um, without really thinking, because I know I, I, it just so happens that in my job, I deal with um, not exactly people who are drilling oil, but people who are making sure that the rigs are safe for the employees who are drilling oil. You know, and, but no one's, Talking like we're talking, you know, this is Mother Earth and this is uh, like, you know, no, no one's thinking like that. As a matter of fact, I remember in one conversation with someone, one, one woman said, you know, my whole life is oil. I love oil. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a, that's a different perspective than I have <laughs> for sure. In your experience, are the corporations, uh, saying or doing anything to repair the earth that they're no they're this this group uh called the bureau of of environment anyway i i I forget the um they are there to uh try to ensure that the uh the offshore oil rigs are safe and also that there's not going to be another um a spill like that was uh, in the Gulf of Mexico uh, almost uh, about 11 years ago now. Yeah, the BP oil. Deep, deep water horizon. Yeah. 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 Um, Ananda Rupa Mataji or Jiva Tapaburu say, I ran into an interesting talk by Radnaswami where he explains that yoga means union and harmony with our father and harmony with our mother. When we learn to live in harmony with Mother Earth, naturally we also learn to live in harmony with our Father God. Yes, there's a connection there. Yeah. And of course, uh, Sita Devi, as Nanimuki is uh, saying, is uh, born of Mother Earth. And then Gurudas is saying, we're not, we're not Earth worshippers. No, not in the New Age sense of the term. Yet we are, um, we should care for Mother Earth. We worship Krishna. 
Krishna was concerned about Mother Earth, you know, when she came in the um, beginning of the uh, tenth canto. Right? Yeah. Okay. Anything else on Mother Earth? So I think we have one more verse that we wanted to cover today. Oops. And so that is up to twenty-seven. So twenty. Oh wait, there were some more other things. Let me see. If there's anything else I wanted to. Uh, well, Prabhupada also talks about Sankhya here, that this has all been properly analyzed in Sankhya Yoga by the great Acharyas, especially by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna in his incarnation as Devahuti Putra, Kapila. So Sankhya means to count. And Sankhya philosophers analyze the different elements of this world. And the next step is to try to understand the source of those elements. And that is why Sankhya can ultimately lead to bhakti, as mentioned, I think, in the 39th verse of the second chapter of the Gita. Okay, 23. There are two kinds of bodies for every living soul, individual soul. A gross body made of the five gross elements and a subtle body made of the three subtle elements. Within these bodies, however, is the spirit soul. One must find the soul by analysis, saying, this is not, this is not it. This is not it. Thus, one must separate spirit from matter. 24. Sober and expert persons should search for the spirit soul with minds purified through analytical study in terms of the soul's connection with and distinction from all things uh, that undergo creation, maintenance, and destruction. So apart from those things that are material, that go through that cycle. Intelligence can be perceived in three states of activity, wakefulness, dreaming, and deep sleep. The person who perceives these three will be considered the original master, the ruler, the supreme personality of Godhead. As one can understand the presence of the air by the aromas it carries, so under the guidance of the supreme personality of Godhead, one can understand the living soul by these three divisions of intelligence. These three divisions, however, are not the soul. They are constituted of the three modes and are born of activities. And the verse that we we're going to end today with, through polluted intelligence, one is subjected to the modes of nature. And thus one is conditioned by material existence. Like a dreaming state in which one falsely suffers, material existence, which is due to ignorance, must be considered unwanted and temporary. Prabhupada writes, when one is in Krishna consciousness, he can realize that material existence, whether one is awake or dreaming, is nothing but a dream and has no factual value. This realization is possible, how? Not by praying to Immanuel Kant, uh, by the grace of the Supreme Lord. This grace is also present in the form of the instructions of Bhagavad Gita. So that's, so you can, oh, how do I get the mercy of the Lord? Well, here, here's another very concrete uh, form of grace, and that is the instructions of Bhagavad Gita. Therefore, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission is for everyone to engage in welfare activities to awaken the foolish living entity, especially in human society, so that he may come to the platform of Krishna consciousness and benefit by liberation from conditioned life. So um, we want to wake up from our dream, and I believe we did in the past, talk about the tal and fruit letter that Prabhupada wrote. Um, and he, 
he basically says that Krishna consciousness is uh, allowing us to wake up from the dream that we're in. Dreaming that I'm this body, dreaming that I'm American or Indian or whatever, dreaming ultimately that I'm male or female and going into a transcendental consciousness. Um, so we will hear more from um, Prahlad. Uh, not next week because I am going to Rathiatra in New York and uh, we'll probably be driving back at the time of the class. So we will not have class next week. We will convene two weeks from now. And um, I look forward to this. Is my, I went on one other trip in December, which I'd wait so to go see his mom. His mom just passed away yesterday at 98 years old. I'm sorry. Um, and so this is the second trip to, to New York, to, um, there's Harinam Sankirtan, both in, uh, Tompkins Square Park on Friday, and then later in, um, um, Times Square. And then there'll be, uh, Rathiatra in, on Saturday. Okay. So any questions or any thoughts about this dreaming point and how we want to wake up from our dream? Just how the Rampara is very firm on this point, and we have we keep hearing it and hearing it from uh, passed down purely from Acharya to Acharya to our own spiritual master, and yet due to our, in my case, incredible conditioning, it takes a long time of keep hearing it to even begin to accept the fact of it. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I've been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one thing to, and it's the other thing to balance that we live in the dream world and how do you, remembering that as a dream world and also dealing with it as we must, especially in, as Grihastas, as married people. But it's not just a dream world, it's a, it's an opportunity for devotional service. Yes, yes. Bhaktivino Thakur talks about that, that this is a, um, what's the word he uses? He, he has three points. The first point is that we are spirit soul, uh, servants of Krishna. Second point he makes is that Krishna is the all-knowing, all-loving supreme personality of Godhead. And that the material world is a place for I don't think it's remediation. That's not the word, but um, for getting better. <laughs> I'm just you know, using an easier word and getting out of the disease condition. Yeah. Okay, Prabhu. So we'll give you back five minutes of your time. And uh, we will, um, maybe some of you I'll see in New York, but otherwise we will see you um, on the following Sunday. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Prabhu. Hare Krishna. Pradma Raj Kijai. Hare. Kijai. Shri Prabhupada Kijai.